Hello and welcome to Working Progress podcast. This is the fifth episode of Personal Development for Artists, a seven-episode series made specially for artists and creatives. I don't know about you, but for me, as a creative and artist, it has been a sloppy road to understand and discover my value as an individual and the value of my art. What about you? Do you feel that you value yourself enough and your craft as well? I can say that after 18 years of career, having passed through multiple industries, I am still fine-tuning and discovering the proper significance of my craft and skills, though I have come to great lengths. And as a human being, I know this is a perpetual evaluation process, one I must go through until my last breath. Overall, it took me most of my life to start to understand and find a solid sense of value, a good starting point. And that's why I'd like to share with you some insights on this matter divided into four blocks. The first block is when you have no clue about your value and the value of your art. Block two is understanding of true value and true value versus ego. Block three is how to recognize and cultivate self-value. And block four, how to value your art. So let's start with the toughest subject the one which is the hardest to talk about, when you have no clue about your value and the value of your art. Sadly, a lot of us pass through long patches of life or perhaps even an entire life without understanding how truly valuable we are. Some of us never know or feel a deep sense of our true importance in relation to life itself. Why does it happen to so many of us? Why do we have this distorted picture of our own truth? The answer lies heavily on factors such as a. Coming from a toxic or dysfunctional family b. Less than ideal or toxic culture and environment c. Lack of self-love as a byproduct of the two previous factors I urge you to listen to the previous episodes of this podcast why we cover these topics more in depth, in case you haven't done so already, because these are utterly important pillars for a healthy, peaceful, fulfilled life and work journey. When we grow up and wander through life, enmeshed in those factors, we lose sight of who we truly are and have the potential to become. The family, the people, the environment, the culture around us, may feed us with illusions and false ideas, covering us in a thick layer of dirt and noise, so strong we never get in touch with our true selves, with our deepest dreams and beliefs. We get conditioned to live by their reality, in their modus vivendi. This can be very compared as to living in a matrix, like the film. Let's navigate through common examples that happen at large, devaluing who we are. Starting with family. When parents' love is conditional, they only love or express love to their children if the children behave in a certain way or like what they like. If the children have an opinion of their own or try to show their parents a better or different way, they are ridiculed, attacked or ignored. When parents see children as inferior beings and don't recognize that their thoughts, opinions and, yes, teachings are of great importance. When parents neglect or abuse their children emotionally or physically. When parents don't spend quality time with their children, 
feeding them with lots of material possessions, or finding ways to keep their children distant or occupied somewhere else, or with someone else, or just ignore them altogether. When the parents are the worst example in the children's lives, and even though they are young, even they know their parents are erratic, causing them fear, shame, worry, anxiety, stress, and overall negative feelings, which result also in physical health problems, etc. If you grew up under these circumstances, you have had great difficulty understanding your true value as a human being, and thus as an artist in this world. I know that from personal experience. Now, let's go through culture and environment and see some common ways they devalue us. They can say things such as, it will never amount to anything, or the only thing that girl would do is to have lots of children and live off social help, or you will never survive or make money as an artist. The wrong environment and culture will always want you to procrastinate, to live by their standards, to do what they like to do, to be one of them. They don't value distinction, big dreams, thinking out of the box. They ridicule you if you feel like being someone different. They live by the lesser standards and expect you to comply with it. Culture can also teach you things such as prejudice, bigotry, being entitled, being egotistical or thinking you are of a superior race, social class or country, or also the opposite such as inferiority complex. The news and the media may point out indirectly that we are just one of the billions, that because we are so many in the planet, or that you, as a particular individual, don't really matter. If you are gone, there are billions of others to take your place. You are only collateral damage or loss. The media likes to portray certain groups, such as people who have been through disasters, catastrophes, or countries under war or political distress, or those who live in extreme poverty, as victims only. Victims for the news, the headlines, or sensations. Why not show them as fighters too? Why not show more of their humanitarian side as well? That is, in spite and despite everything, there are so many in those groups who are taking leadership and helping others. And imagine the resilience those people build through the years of poverty or through the disasters. What can they teach us? Now, going through the CG industry, we encounter much devaluing as well. Lately, the industry has been through positive changes in many ways, and more and more women are conquering roles and notoriety. But this is still a male-dominated environment, and as such, unfortunately, women still suffer from, and in some cases, being seen as less accomplished or less valuable beings, also being paid less compared to male artists in, in the same roles. We still hear condescending comments such as Oh, she's not just a pretty face, she can actually do so and so. Or, so, that person only got the job because of her looks. Ignoring altogether the effort or the experience that that person may have had in order to get that job. Or, what I have seen as well is that in some places, HR headhunts and chooses less qualified males for the job, even though some female candidates had a clearly much better resume, work experience or portfolio. I saw an experiment um, a few years back where an artist applied for jobs, first as a female and then as a male, using the same CV qualifications. As female, all her applications were dismissed. As a male, 
not only several companies were interested, but they were also headhunting her. Sad, but true. I know the opposite is less likely, but it can also happen. I just want to make clear I'm not sexist and that I firmly believe in equal rights and mutual respect between genders or sexual orientation. But I had to mention these things that I have seen and experienced in first hand too. There is also a common misconception shown as common practice by average companies or clients that workers or artists are disposable that the company can always find someone else who can do the job, someone else to replace you, or someone who charges less than you do. This is a typical behavior of people who treat others as mere assets or objects, who have no integrity, empathy, or sense of respect for others. Yes, not all people deserve the jobs or assignments they get if they have a bad or negative conduct. But I believe many of us are irreplaceable. I know that a great person and artist who really understands the needs of the company or client, if that exceptional person is gone for whatever motive, it may cause a huge disruption in a company. In some cases, it can be as extreme as bankruptcy or dismembering of a department. Only the greatest companies to work with understand this principle, that they can only rise and stay strong if they value the great minds, the human beings that come to work with them. Now that you are aware of it, take this as your personal mission to educate or to separate from any client or company that trades you and your skills disrespectfully. You have now been through a quick, diverse list of common, horrible examples of how the world around us work to take away our value. These are just some of the countless examples on why so many of us wonder without knowing how important and valuable we and our art truly are. When we are not aware of how the people, the environment, culture, and the world surrounding us compose this barrier of illusions, we get impaired as for discovering who we truly are and what we are truly capable of. So we move on to block 2, the understanding of true value and true value versus ego. I cannot claim to say that I know everything or that I am an expert in true value. Quite the opposite, this is something I have discovered and been solidifying as important base for my life for as recent as the past five years or so. This means that I have wandered an entire life not giving myself or my art the right degree of estimation, respect and love because of my ignorance. I didn't know any better. I grew up and I lived through the topics and common examples I quoted um, for you on a previous blog. However little I have learned on the matter, it has been growing exponentially and impacted my life and my relationship to myself and to my art in amazingly positive ways. So how do we start to understand what true value really is? As on the podcast episode, loving yourself to love your art, you need to deconstruct things. Start by asking yourself what true value is not. In the beginning, if you are still covered in a thick barrier of false illusions given you by a toxic family, wrong culture and environment, and lack of true self-love, it may be difficult even to start this process. I absolutely urge you to work in these aspects first, as they are the basis for understanding true value. 
Yes, I know I sound repetitive, but I wouldn't be so if this wasn't of such a colossal importance. Then start making questions on what true value is not and take notes, written or mental, and then keep them with you as a guide to help you navigate future situations. This is individual, so there isn't a right answer for all, but eventually you will put together this map as you go along the journey and will have more clarity. I can give you some tips to start with. 1. True value doesn't come from the place you were born, such as a city or a country, and it does not come from gender or sexual orientation, and it does not come from ethnic background. True value doesn't come from one's economy, material possessions, financial situation, status, or the circumstances you were born into. Whether you were born into the humblest or the richest beginnings, it has no consequence for your value as a human being. I thought it may be of consequence in the level of easiness or hardship your life unfolds. 3. True value doesn't come from a job, a role, a certain client or a company you work for. If that was the case, people with humble jobs would be of no value and people with high status jobs would have most value, which is a preposterous idea. Everyone, regardless of the job or role, has equal value as human being and is of equal importance to nature and to life itself. 4. It doesn't come from your achievements, trophies, competitions or titles you won. Or the opposite, people with less achievements or who never won a trophy or a competition or a title shouldn't feel less valuable because of it. 5. It doesn't come from one's looks or appearance. Yes, unfortunately, people who are perceived as nice-looking or beautiful may have bigger social advantage or favors, and that's because those feeding this silly advantage are not aware of what they are doing. It is silly psychology. If you don't have the looks, remember something very important. Work on your energy, your integrity, your values, your vision. People who are strong within and have a strong sense of self are ultimately the most seductive, and I mean for all aspects of life. One we have to remember as well that some people are so pretty, but their sense of self is so fragile or small that they end up repelling us. 6. Your skills. What you know, what you do, what you can provide doesn't determine your value as a human being. I thought it determines your value as an asset in society or the industry. 7. Your clothes, shoes and accessories. Who has more value? The person who walks in the most expensive suit or the monk who walks in rags or the native South Americans who walk basically naked? 8. A document such as passport, um, a civil status such as married or divorced, a citizenship, etc. Of course, there are many other examples, but if you previously believed that your value came from any of these things, I can tell you right here, only ego comes from this. Because value comes only from what constitutes one's true self and everything else is ego. True value for you as a human being and for your art as an inseparable product of your soul is an intimate and individual journey. One I wish you to start today if you haven't started already. I'd like to close this block with a key to the first and perhaps most important origin for your true value. If you observe the world with its various ecosystems, climates and life species, so intricate, so varied, 
and yet so many we haven't discovered. We know that there is a chain, that each living being, no matter how microscopic or gigantic, is of such importance for nature that if one of them goes into extinction, the consequences that others will follow as well. Because every being, all life cycles are of the uttermost importance to keep this fine balance. It's like the climate, the ecosystems, they are all dependent on each other to keep the balance. Humans, however, are not necessary on Earth for the Earth functioning. Nonetheless, we are here for a reason. Nothing happens by chance. Nature created us and at this age and time we don't yet know why. We are still discovering how far the human potential goes. And from a spiritual and ethical point of views, all the billions of us, no exception, are of equal value to the life force. Your value as a human being comes from your own creation of Big Bang, that moment in time when nature and life have proportioned all the right conditions so that you have been conceived. You are philosophically, scientifically and spiritually a miracle. So we move on to block 3, how to recognize and cultivate self-value. Now that you know you are a miracle because of your mere existence and of the uttermost importance to nature and life force as a human being, this should be enough to sink in your heart 100% of your sense of value. And I have to repeat this again. Now that you know you are a miracle because of your existence and of the uttermost importance to nature and life force as a human being, this should be enough to sink in your heart 100% of your sense of value. The sum of everything else in life would be the extra 1% over that amazing foundation. And it's some topics within this 1% that I'd like to share with you now. 1. Work with the self. Learn the art of self-love. Learn self-respect. Set boundaries. Learn how to say no. Learn how to value your time with better time management aligned with self-love. Very important, make a list of your personal core values and every decision or step you take, use them as guide. Your compass. When you have worked the self, you are better equipped to making great decisions. What decisions have to do with cultivating my own value, you ask? Everything. We live the consequences of our decisions. Having better decision-making ability, which comes from the work of the self, will propel you and impose respect and value upon yourself and your art. 2. Lead by example. Be the first person who believes you the most, who loves you the most, who cherishes you the most, and who respects you the most. Be a living, breathing embodiment of integrity according to your own values and beliefs. Do that which you believe is the right and not what is convenient. Be the greatest example you can be in your environment. At first, you may experience resistance and difficulties, but if you keep on track, most people who crosses your path will follow the tone and respect you and value you. Of course, there are toxic individuals, sometimes the closest family members, that cannot grow to respect or value you properly. And the only way to deal with them is setting a contingency plan, raising boundaries and having a radical acceptance that they will never change. 
if possible, walk away or put some physical distance between you and these people and have less or no contact with these individuals. 3. Be a fountain of respect and kindness, adding value to others. When you have done the work of the self and you have learned how to love and respect yourself and you live by your core values and you value your time because you have it all in abundance within you, you can emanate this to the people around you. Some simple ways you can add value to others are, for example, to respect someone's time. How do you do that depends on the situation, but whatever it is, demonstrate how you know that the person's time is also valuable to you. Serving them, whether with help, a charity, a favor, a bonus artwork or pouring some tea. Remember that serving others genuinely can only come from a place of real respect and your cup must be full enough before you do things for others. If you feel that serving others will be more of a burden than a joy at any given moment, please refrain yourself from doing that. And when you shift to the right mindset, when you feel replenished, then by all means serve them. I know many of us can try to appear to be kind by serving others at the expense of our own mental health or difficult finances or even physical limitations. When we do that for appearance sake, we end up hurting ourselves with self-toxicity and lack of self-respect. I urge you to be aware of that. It is okay to say no and it is okay to offer help only when you deeply feel that you are so replenished that you can do that for others. Being a great communicator, both verbally and with your body language, attitude, appearance, etc. Great communication can strengthen the bonds of a friendship, a business partnership or an intimate relationship. Be clear with your views, messages, statements and directives. Have a kind tone and be educated on the way you address others, regardless of their role in society or at your workplace. Utterly important is to treat those closest to you at even higher standards. It's just so sad when we see people who seem amazing beings in the public eyes all the while they are being unkind and disrespectful to their family members. Appreciate others. Show appreciation for the little things, the big things and everything. Speak words of appreciation. Show actions of appreciation. Listen to the people around you especially those who are most important in your life. Listen to them with your heart, not with your ears. Understand them. Put yourself in their shoes. Give them your undivided attention or blocks of quality time. Again, always when you are first replenished and you feel you have enough to give, doing so will increase you and not deplete you. Organize your schedule to gift the people you value with a conversation or a short visit or an activity together. It's not about the quantity or the frequency, but the quality and the soul you put into it. Now that you have gone through these simple examples, understand this. In most cases and most of the time, you receive from life that which you give. So by adding value and respect to others, you are doing the same for yourself.
And if you are one of those people who say, oh, but I give so much to others and I get so little in return, that may be to the fact that A, either you do it for the wrong reasons, such as obligation, appearances sake, or the intention of having it returned to you, B, at the expense of depleting yourself, therefore disrespecting yourself. So when this happens, as I said, you get what you give, period. But you can always re-educate yourself to do it for the right reasons, starting by truly loving yourself and you will begin receiving a lot more from life, balancing things out. So now that we talked about the self and how to apply value to ourselves and to others, let's talk about art. Block 4. How to value your art. One block won't be enough to cover everything I'd like to say on this topic, but I hope we can touch upon some important points. Talking about price. Price is not equal value, but it can reflect part of value itself, the perceived market value for your services. I recall a funny quote by one of my favorite writers, Oscar Wilde. He said, nowadays, people know the price of everything and the value of nothing. I often find that to be true. How much to charge for your art is something quite complex, depending on many factors such as your skills, your experience, the market's demand for the specific skills or art you offer and how many artists are out there offering the same or similar services. What I have observed is that with the increase of online services, more and more artists offering freelance work, a lot of these freelance services have had a decrease in price, meaning that artists offering these are working more and earning less. I think another key factor for this price decrease and devaluation is that such services are largely offered to ignorant clients, who treat artists as assets. And again, these same artists accept being treated as assets because they are cultivating the wrong beliefs and ideas about themselves and their work. Bang, a bubble was created. I know that, for some of you, working at very low fees for uneducated clients is a necessity, is your livelihood, you depend on it at the moment. But I do encourage you to pause and ask yourself, can I do better? Can I work with clients who are educated, respectful and appreciate what I have to offer? Can I earn better doing jobs that I love? My answer to you is yes, you can. But only if you do the work that it takes to do this great shift. The moment you stop and genuinely ask yourself these questions and that you truly believe you can add more value to yourself and your art, you can educate yourself on leadership, self-growth, business, learn new skills or improve the ones you already have and create strategies, develop plans and take immediate action to make all of that come true. This can be a phase of transition that may seem harsh at first, most beginnings are difficult, especially if they are also humble. But once you pass this phase of resistance, things will go a lot easier and you will begin taking notice of the beautiful changes happening about you. Now, there are artists that charge very high rates for the work that they do and that's actually great because they're adding more market value to their services. However, it doesn't mean that their art is altogether so much better than someone charging less for the same service. And yet, it reflects the perfectly healthy belief that they deserve more. 
Charging above or below the average market price is just one part of the price question, because there are services that should be charged little in the market and others that should be charged very high. The other side to this question is related to the clients and the jobs or assignments you are taking. Do you love your client? Do you love your jobs? If your answer is less than a resounding yes, then you are devaluing yourself and your art. The bottom line I want to come here in regards to price is this. Are you happy with the client slash assignment versus payment? Do you feel that they all together reflect you well as an artist or the artist you aspire to be? Do you feel that the sum of these adds proper value to your art and skills? If the answer is no to any of these three aspects, the client, the job and the price, you know you have some serious work to do. Let's go on and talk about other ways to value your art. I will urge you to listen to our second podcast in this series titled Love Yourself to Love Your Art. If you haven't done so already, because the number one way to add value to yourself and your art and any other aspect of your life is by developing true self-love. The second way is by working the four things that hold your life and art back theme of our first episode in this series. So you work on these and miraculous synchronicities will happen for you. Furthermore, discard the likes, sharings and comments of social media as a thermometer for value. Some artists, even some of the best in the world, may have very little exposure on social media or CG websites. They may have a small following, few likes and almost no comments. They may be true undiscovered pearls, even though they may be veterans on some industries or work for gigantic studios or corporations. Other artists can have huge following, zillions of likes and comments and be extremely popular, and that is great as well as it means that their work falls in the preference of the overall population. Both cases can be seen as a good thing or as a bad thing, it will depend on the point of view. Regardless of one's opinion here, neither the unpopularity or popularity of an artist is a good measure for the value of his or her art. It doesn't mean one is more or less valuable than the other. One's art is invaluable, period. And what is great art for me may not be great art for you and vice versa. So some people may love your art while others don't bother about it. And that's why you cannot let the public opinion of your work be the measure of its value. Van Gogh is such a prime example for this. In his entire life, people devalued him and his work, causing him a great deal of depression and suffering. And now, in our modern times, people love his work and art so much to a hype that he became one of the most recognizable artists anywhere. So, his work has been labeled from being the worst to being the best. Now, where lies the truth? Let your own love, joy, feeling of accomplishment, happy flow and workflow be the judge of your art. Measure your art value by these. Value the time of your art services. How long time is healthy for you to spend on the different phases of a job, from the first contact with the client, to filling up the paperwork, to starting and ending the workflow, and the delivery of your work. 
I cover this topic more in depth in my webinar, my top 10 hits and fails as a CG business, which is now available on my YouTube channel. You can also find it easily on easysoza.com at the resources page. You can skip to hit number one, proper paperwork and protocol for a job. At the beginning of my career in the music industry, and again, by the time I founded my first company, where I worked mainly with books, because I didn't know any better in these industries, and I wasn't wise enough regarding life itself, at each of these new beginnings I had put up with uneducated clients that were self-righteous and had little respect for my time. Sometimes it would take me multiple long emails or conversations of nonsense until we came to an agreement. And by the time I had already done a lot of free consulting and part of the job at no cost without being even aware of it. Then during the workflow, they uneducatedly would micromanage the job, making the whole process uh, take way longer than scheduled and the delivery was but a relief. The payment sometimes would even come later than agreed upon. The process was a mess. Of all negative experiences I have had along 18 years of career across multiple industries, wasting my time in any way, especially with unworthy clients or assignments, is my number one dislike. The truth is, I absolutely hate wasting my time. Other typical examples is when both the client and I agree upon a deadline and I do all I can to deliver the work on that deadline, but the client doesn't care, stretching it ad eternum. When a client acts like this, he or she is showing no respect for my time, and I hate when a client doesn't respect my time frame. The time frame we both agreed upon, because as a professional artist, I have jobs booked months beforehand and I have a busy schedule that must be properly followed in order for things to work. If I can't keep a deadline, which is a rare thing for me, I contact the client in beforehand, explain why and we immediately find ways to agree upon a new deadline. So I show respect for his or her time. So now I have this rule that if it devalues my time by any degree, it's not worth it, no matter how well paid the job is. If a client devalues my time, that client can be certain that I am never going to work with him or her anymore. In rare cases, which happened only once, I can terminate or cancel the assignment. To close this topic, another way to add value to your art is by perfecting it. I know, sounds simplistic, but the truth is, it's one of the most intricate works you will ever do throughout your lifetime. Perfecting art goes by multiple facets, such as polishing the brush strokes, enhancing the workflow, mastering shapes and composition, understanding lighting to a greater depth, or perfect rendering. The more perfection and enhancement you can add to your art techniques, the higher market value it will have. And with that comes working with the greater, more educated, more appreciative clients too. But also, go deeper than that. How can you add more meaning, more soul to it, make it more intricate, unique, exquisite? What special characteristics your art has that even thought similar to that of other artists, it can make it stand out with a unique factor? What are the tiny differences you can apply that will make a world of difference? 
To close this episode, I won't give you any links to check out or books to read. I will ask you to meditate deeply on these topics here discussed and, if possible, to recap or think about and put into action the topics we talked about on the previous episodes as well. I hope this podcast series is helpful to you and that it gives you some interesting insights and that it can somehow point you further on your life and art journey. Thank you for listening and see you on the next episode of this personal development for artist series. Our theme will be overcoming health issues and depression.